You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Welcome to the Collegian Week in Review. Here are your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. Welcome back to the Collegian Week in Review, where we give you an inside look into Michigan's oldest college newspaper. We're your hosts, Maddie Welsh and Lauren Scott. And today we'll be talking to Ty Ruddy about CCA4, which is about big pharma, Kate Cavanaugh about why Hillsdale classrooms should be more beautiful. And then I'll be talking to Lauren about a music fraternity on campus, as well as her obituary about the first policewoman in Hillsdale. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Ty Ruddy, a collegian freelancer. And this week he wrote a story about CCA4, which was about big pharma. So Ty, tell me a little bit about this story. What was, um, you know, what were the things that were talked about at the CCA? Who were some of the notable speakers? Stuff like that. Yeah, so I picked the story up uh, last week or two weeks ago, um, and the CCA kicked off with Robert Kennedy. Um, he spoke on Sunday night, and then an independent journalist named Jordan Stratchel spoke at 4 o'clock, and then Naomi Wolf spoke at 8 o'clock the next day. Uh, so yeah, a lot of really good talks. A lot of the speakers tied their speeches into big farmers' relation to big government. And a couple of them tied their speeches into the connection with the Communist Party. Uh, and Brian Kennedy, in fact, did a speech specifically on Big Pharma and the Chinese Communist Party on Tuesday. What were some of the main things that they talked about in their speeches? Naomi Wolf, for example, talked about the Pfizer documents. And for everyone who doesn't know what that is, last January, so January of 2022, a Texas judge ordered the FDA and Pfizer to release their internal documents. And this was something like 55,000 documents a week over the span of the next three months. So it's hundreds of thousands of documents. And this was information that Pfizer and the FDA had before anyone else that they weren't going to release for over 75 years, just so that everyone who was involved with the pandemic wouldn't know really what went on behind the scenes with trial and testing. And then information that they had immediately after rollout. And so that was kind of the theme of, of her speech, and it tied tied into the theme of a lot of the other speeches too, where how there tends to be a lot of collusion in big pharma, especially nowadays with big government and even sometimes uh, international governments, foreign governments. What was different about this CCA from other CCAs in the past? I took one earlier in February, and it was about classical Greece and Rome. And so something that I found out about this one is it had less of a humanities um, aspect to it. Obviously, Hillsdale College is a liberal arts education at liberal arts college. Uh, and so you kind of expect the classical Greece and Rome element. I guess I didn't really expect the big pharma element of it, but you know, a lot of speakers gave very insightful speeches. And also, there were... This was one of the biggest CCA events in the college's history. There was something like 900 uh, guests and just over 200 students signed up for, you know, to, to enroll. So, Why do you think it was so big? I think this is an issue that a lot of people have been, you know, interested in over the past three years, especially. Um, Gerald Posner on Tuesday night gave a speech, uh, and as he was concluding, he kind of noted that since the 1980s, Big Pharma has really kind of blown up. 
and it's only grown exponentially in the past three years, obviously since COVID. Um, and you're getting a lot more big pharma things coming out nowadays, especially with like, you know, the, the transgender surgeries of minors and, you know, testosterone for minors and a lot of these kind of parent parental right issues. Uh, I think that ties in with a lot of what big pharma is doing right now. And so that's a, that's a huge issue right now, especially for conservatives, Hillsdale being a conservative college. I think that was what drew a lot of interest. What did people in the audience think of the CCA? That's students, uh, professors, anyone who attended. What did it seem like the response was? It seemed like a very positive response. I, for one, was extremely impressed with the knowledge of some of these guys. So, for example, you had two journalists on the one night who just seemed to know way more about big pharma industry than what a lot of the top bureaucrats over the past three years didn't know, which seems kind of interesting to me. And I think a lot of the audience picked up on that, that some of this stuff, I mean, it's not necessarily public information, but it's not extremely difficult to get your hands on unless the bureaucrats make it that way. And so I think there was kind of an understanding that there is some collusion and there is some kind of like hiding evidence and whatnot. So on the last day of the CCA, there was a panel of Hillsdale College professors. What yeah. was that panel like? What did they think of the, the CCA as a whole? Yeah, they, they brought very interesting um, perspectives. So, for example, Dr. Allison Postel, um, she's a professor of philosophy. She brought more of the, the ethical viewpoint of the pharma industry into the mix. And then um, Dr. Kelly... Casimir, I think is her name, is a chemistry professor. So she brought in more of the um, more of the scientific element of the big pharma industry, and she she had a different take than a lot of the speakers that spoke at the event. She was kind of, I think, in a way, rightly so, defending certain elements of big pharma because she said that science is an inherently hard thing to do, and it takes a lot of trust. I think the issue that a lot of the speakers had was a trust issue. And I interviewed Dr. Ian Church earlier that day, and he said that was one of the biggest issues that he found out was uh, a, lot of, a lot of mistrust of bureaucrats over the past three years. And then on the far left, he brought a, a business element which, to Big Pharma, which I thought was pretty interesting of the CCA you know, executive to, to think about because... He had worked in the past as a consultant for various big pharma firms, and he was talking more about the international relations part of it and the economic part of big pharma. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Ty. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're listening to The Collegian Week in Review. This is Lauren, and I'm here with Kate Cavanaugh, a freelancer at The Collegian. She wrote a story this week, an opinion piece, about Hillsdale classrooms and how they should be beautiful and unique. So, Kate, tell me a little bit about the inspiration for writing this. Uh, Why did you feel like this was needed? Well, I guess it was partly being haunted by the ads for the online classes um, and partly by having classes in the classics room. So the advertisements, like you guys might have seen them on YouTube, but I, I always, always would get the one for the Genesis class. And the class, of course, I'm sure is amazing, 
but the classroom that it's in is so, so stunning. And I always wondered where that was on campus. Um, and then one day I explored the production, um, I think it's like the TV production studio, I don't know what it's called, but, um, and then I saw like the windows were just green screens, like even the light coming into the classroom is fake. And um, I guess just like realizing that that classroom didn't exist anywhere on campus was kind of disappointing. Um, but then also like sitting in the classics room in Kendall um, a couple days a week that's always been like really inspiring to me just looking around being able to look around the classroom and see just like being able to learn by looking at anything that you see just like random figurines of Romulus and Ramus or different book titles and posters and to me I think that's what being in a classroom should feel like. So the classics room is a classroom in Kendall and it's unique from a lot of the other classrooms on campus So could you just go into detail about what makes it special and how you think other classrooms could learn from it? Yeah, so I guess the classics room is um, focused on the classics department, so Greek and Latin. um, And it's a study space in a lot of ways. Um, So there's dictionaries um, strewn across the table of Greek to English and Latin to English and then it's um, like full of books that professors have donated or left behind and so like the classics department itself has put a lot into it and I think that's what makes it really unique is that like the passion that the students and professors have for classics comes out in the room and I think originally it was just a seminar room where most of their classes um, took place but yeah so if each major had kind of a designated classroom that they could put their passion for education into, then I think the the classrooms would be a lot more lively and interesting and inspiring. You mentioned how Hillsdale's education lives up to the marketing and how Hillsdale's education is beautiful. So why do you think that it's important for our classrooms to also be the same? I think it's partly that that is what Hillsdale proclaims in its marketing Um, so it goes along with the values of the school to be surrounded not just by the good and true, but also by the beautiful. Um, and I think like the students here really do value that. Like part of my inspiration for the article was also seeing like my friends' dorm rooms and like professors, um, offices where they're just like always decorated by just random like poems and quotes and translations um, and posters. And so I just think like that's how the stu- a lot of the students and professors, that's what they like to be surrounded by. Like that's what inspires us. And so I think like seeing that in our classrooms would just be um, really like motivating um, and just would just be nice. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us today, Kate. The Collegian Weekend Review continues. This is Maddie, and I'm here with Lauren, my co-host and the assistant opinions editor of The Collegian. This week, Lauren wrote a couple of pieces. One of them was about a men's music fraternity on campus and some changes that they're going through right now. So, Lauren, tell me about this story. What's going on? So, Hillsdale's men's fraternity, Phi Mu Alpha, 
they are in the process of disassociating themselves from their national headquarters, and they have also changed their name to be Alpha Mu Phi. I talked to Vice President of the Fraternity, Stephen Burntson, and when I asked him why the Hillsdale chapter decided to disassociate themselves from nationals, he basically said they don't really receive anything from them, so they're paying really expensive dues, and they receive little to nothing in return. And he also said that some of the, quote, secret stuff that they do, a lot of the brothers in the fraternity had a moral objection to it. And so he said that the fraternity has not been very happy with nationals for the past couple years, but the idea of breaking ties with them wasn't presented until fall of 2022. Who else did you talk to and what they have to say? I also talked to Jack Walker, who is secretary of the fraternity, and he made it very clear that uh, once the once the break is final from nationals, that not much is going to change about the fraternity. Uh, something he says that he hopes can happen is that Alpha Mu Phi can become more of a resource on campus. So. He said he hopes to hopefully one day have a studio and have instruments to where students who want to play in a band or students who just want to pursue music can have a place to go and can have resources to use. And so that's something he said uh, may be a good thing that could come from the break. I also talked to professor of music James Holloman. Um, he is the faculty advisor of Alpha Mu Phi. And he made it clear that he thought that it was a prudent thing that the chapter was breaking away from nationals. He thought it was the best thing um, for our campus at the time right now. Um, he himself was a Phi Mu Alpha when he was a student at Michigan State University. And something else I learned, I talked to both Steven and Jack about this. Um, so they are in the process right now of breaking ties with nationals. However, the break is not official until Hillsdale administration kind of gives it the final say. And so Stephen said they are working it out with the deans right now. And the deans are kind of like facilitating administrative tasks to make this official. Was there any reason that they chose the name Alpha Mu Phi? So he said that that was something that the chapter voted on. And I think that they just tried a couple different options, but it, they, they ran into problems like it, something else being copyrighted. And Alpha Mu Phi is just Phi Mu Alpha, but backwards. And so it's kind of similar, uh, but it's not copyrighted. And so they wouldn't get in trouble to use this name. They've actually already changed their Instagram handle to Alpha Mu Phi. So that's pretty much it. And the chapter agreed on it. They voted on it. And I've heard a few of the men in the fraternity say that it stands for AMP. You also wrote a story this week about the very first policewoman in the Hillsdale Police Force. So tell me more about that. Yes, Linda Caldwell. Uh, she was the very first policewoman of the uh, Hillsdale City Police Department. 
She became an officer in 1964, and she was an officer and a meter maid. If if I'm remembering correctly from what Police Chief Scott Hefner told me, he said that she was a meter maid first and then became an officer. Um, but what was unique about her position as an officer is that she was given full police authorities and in the 1960s this was something um, less common for women and so the fact that she was a full officer like she could carry and she could make arrest it was kind of a big deal for back then what did people have to say about her and her character so i talked to a hillsdale alumnus and a hillsdale native greg mclogan And he said that he remembered Linda from whenever she used to help him cross the street when he was a student at St. Anthony's Elementary School. And he said he remembers her being very kind and very friendly to him. I also talked to Chi Omega house director Jody Martin. She said that she was neighbors with Linda And she said that she always remembers her as being a very kind woman. Um, But something about her, she said she was very sweet, but she meant business. And from what I've talked to people, from what I've heard from police chief Hefner, what I've heard from or what I've learned from reading articles in the Hillsdale Daily News, that that's kind of like the consensus that I've been seeing. And so it was was cool that we uh, have one of her neighbors remembering that fact about her. How did you do all of the research for this story? So I reached out to people in the community that would know something about her. So again, like police chief was very helpful. Um, some Hillsdale locals were very helpful. Um, but also a lot of the research that I did and um, the ways that I found out more about her life and who she was as a policewoman, a mother and a wife is I looked at old newspapers, uh, specifically ones from the Hillsdale Daily News. And so there was one uh, written about Caldwell, um, and the headline was, She Brings Smile to Work With Her. And I saw a couple more articles about her where it talked about her being very friendly and her, like, bringing a smile to her everyday work. And so I thought that was really cool. We kind of got to see a little bit of her personality there. And then something else we learned from that same article um, titled, She Brings a Smile to Work With Her is that she chose to wear just the normal police uniform over a more like feminine outfit or more feminine looking one. And we have a quote from her saying, a more feminine outfit might detract. And so she was very much someone who just showed up to work every day, didn't really care if she was wearing like a feminine outfit. Like she just wanted to get the job done. She wanted to be nice to people. She wanted to be friendly. And then in this same article, um, the reporter was talking about how it was helpful to have a woman in the police force because she was able to help them in a lot of, I guess, more sensitive situations that it was more helpful to have a woman there. Um, So there was this one specific instance where um, some patrolmen were having to remove a neglected child from a home. And so Linda was able to accompany them and comfort the child. And then there was another instance where there were some FBI agents who were uh, dealing with a case with women and children specifically and so she also accompanied them and so she was able to provide a more feminine presence and she was able to help the police officers essentially do a better job and bring people comfort and 
we have a quote from her saying that she just loved working with people. And so we definitely got to see a lot of who she was as a person and what her personality was like from reading these articles from the Hillsdale Daily News. So this story was an obituary. How did you write this story in order to sort of immortalize her and highlight her legacy in Hillsdale? So obviously being the first policewoman in Hillsdale, that's something very historic and that's something that we wanted people to know. Um, But also it's important for people to know that she was a mother of three children. Like there's many pictures of her um, with her children. Um, I found a video on her, like a, a memorial video that was posted by the funeral home that where she had her services held. And so many of the pictures of, were of her and her children. And so, and when she became a, a policewoman in 1964, she had two children at the time. And so we really wanted to highlight like not only her importance of the job as like a policewoman, but also like her as a person and how she was a great mom and a very friendly neighbor and friend. Thanks for sharing, Lauren. Of course. You have been listening to the Collegian Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Lauren Scott and Maddie Welsh. You can find the Collegian online at hillsdalecollegian.com or on Instagram and Twitter at hdalecollegian. You can also find previous episodes of the Collegian Weekend Review online at cwir.transistor.fm. Once again, you have been listening to the Collegian Weekend Review on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. <laughs>